Good morning, everybody. Um, thank you so much, Jared, the musicians, all those involved in the leading us so helpfully through uh, the first part of the service together. If you've got a Bible with you, do um, open back up to Psalm 119. Uh, if you were with us last week, you would have heard we're going to be spending three weeks here, so we're in week two, um, just working our way through um, this psalm together. And just in a moment, I'm going to pick back up where Jen left off in uh, Psalm 119, verse 97, and we're going to read that. Hopefully, over the course of these three weeks, we'll read the whole psalm, which isn't something, as I said last week, we'll get a, an opportunity to do um, too much just because of the, the length of it. Um, but just before uh, I do carry on, um, I'm aware some people might not have been here, but where it's been a week since we were here last. So what I want to do is just give us a quick summary of what did we see uh, last time. Uh, so first of all, we saw um, Psalm 119 is um, a, an acrostic poem psalm. It's made up of 22 equal stanzas of eight verses each, each headed by a letter in the Hebrew alphabet, like Aleph that's up there. Uh, and that's the letter that starts each verse in that little stanza. And what we said that we saw in this careful attention to detail in this psalm, and also in the words themselves, is that the unknown writer of this psalm really delights in God's word. It's the subject of almost every single verse of this psalm. And we said that as we read of the psalmist's delight in God's word, in many ways, his words are meant to be this inspiration, this model for us, that we too would learn to delight in and love God's word more and more. And as we thought about that, we considered uh, last week the psalmist's delight in all of God's words, we, uh, and we saw that as he delighted in God's words, the starting place, though, was not God's word itself. If we want to delight in God's word, we saw last week that we want to be purposely, first and foremost, seeking the Lord, the Lord of the word with all of our hearts. And then finally, we saw last week pictured for us in this psalm with the language here that a life delighting in God's word is one that has a direction to it. It is one walking, walking in the Lord's ways, while also humbly recognizing that we can't and won't ever be able to do that perfectly on our own. We need the Lord's help to do that. So hopefully that reminds us where we've been. If you were here last week, picks up if you weren't here. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to read on together the next uh, few verses from 97 to 120, and then we're going to dig into this section of the psalm a little bit more, um, drawing mostly from Psalm 57, but uh, looking elsewhere too. So if you turn with me to verse 97, we'll read from there. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. It is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light 
to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Well, let's just pray again as we turn to consider these words and this psalm again. Lord God, we really do, with all of our hearts, want to be able to say and echo what the psalmist said there in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Please, even this morning, Lord, through your word, would you stir our hearts that that would be increasingly true for each of us here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we uh, finished last week, um, if you were with us, considering this encouragement, that if we will walk in the Lord's ways, uh, that if we will walk according to his word, we will be blessed. That's how the, the psalmist opened the psalm, isn't it? 119 verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. And as we closed, we began just to to think briefly about that idea. Uh, But as we continue now on through the psalm this morning, what I really want us to do is begin to dig into this idea in even more detail. Asking this question, how and in what ways does delighting in God's word, walking in his ways, bring this blessing that the psalmist speaks about? And it's my hope and prayer that as we think about that this morning, again, as we thought about last week, however we would say we come this morning feeling about God's word, we would be encouraged, we would be inspired to get back to seeing the goodness of it, to get back then in seeing the goodness of it, get back to reading it, living in line with it, delighting in it, keeping it front and center in all that we do. That we might wholeheartedly say, as the psalmist does in verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. It's my prayer that this morning we might leave saying that. So let's get into this and see this morning three main ways that this psalm points us to. That as we delight in God's word, walking in his ways, this will bring blessing. And here's the first. 
You'll find blessing as you delight in God's word, walk in his ways, because as you do that, you will find God. Do you remember back at the beginning of the psalm, the writer showed his hand, didn't he? We read it just again now. More than just delighting in God's word as a set of rules to follow, the psalmist delights in God's word because he seeks God. He seeks God himself with his whole heart. And just as we saw that focus in the opening verses, we see that focus again if you look with me to verse 57, where we picked back reading today. If you look there with me, there the psalmist writes, The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. And we saw that same language reflected later on. Now, the language of portion here is particularly important and relevant Uh, It's used by the psalmist here, and it's used in the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy, both of which the psalmist would have had in front of him at the time of writing. And in those books, we read that while every other tribe of Israel, as they enter into the promised land, will be given an inheritance from the promised land, we read there that the priests and the Levites wouldn't. And that is because the Lord himself would be their portion, their inheritance. And this example of the the Levites was meant to show that when all is said and done, it is the Lord who we need. As one commentator puts it, to have the Lord, that is to have everything. The Lord is, using the language of the the psalm here and using the language that we're using, he is the ultimate source of blessing. And so it's no surprise that someone like the psalmist, who's in God's word so regularly, has found that to be the case. This is the psalmist, right, who speaks of regularly meditating on God's law. Verse 62, of rising to praise the Lord at midnight because of his righteous rules. This is someone who time and time again comes back to God's word, reads it, thinks on it. And as he has done that, this is what he has seen. He has found his God, and he has seen the goodness of his God. Look at how the psalmist writes at the end of this same stanza that we're just looking at, verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. And we read of that same word, steadfast love, covenant love, again and again through this psalm. This is a God who in his word has promised to be the God of his people to be with his people, and to be faithful to them right to the end, even when they've proved faithless. No wonder we read words like in verse 68. The psalmist says to the Lord, you are good and you do good. How does he know that? Because he's gone back to God's word and seen it. In God's word, we see time and time again who God is, what he's really like, the blessing of that. And we get to know God more and more for ourselves. And we see also in this language, I think, here, that this God is one who we can have relationship with. Notice the language of verse 57, the personal language here. The psalmist writes, the Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. It's pointing to this relationship that the psalmist has come to enjoy. 
where as the psalmist meditates on God's words, as part of God's people, he claims this good God for his own. He says, he is my portion. And in response to that, then, he lives this life of obedience. As an example of this blessing of finding God himself and delighting in his words, just look at verse 58. Just after talking of the Lord as his portion, the psalmist then writes again, I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. And we read of the Lord's mercy later too. This is who he has come to know through God's word. The one who is, shows him favor. The one who shows him grace. The one who shows him mercy. As the psalmist reads God's words, he comes to know who God is, who his God is. And as he then walks in his ways in relationship with him, he knows that he has found the ultimate source of blessing, of favor. As he turns back to God's word, this is what he finds. God. And God is still the one who, when we continue to turn back to God's word, the one we will find. Like the psalmist. Just as for the psalmist, as we read God's word, we too will be constantly learning more about him, more about his character, more about his love, about the fact that he is that refuge for us to run to, about the fact that he is our portion. And then, do you know, even as we seek to keep God's words, even in keeping them, as the psalmist is so set on doing, we find the same thing we find that we continue to get to know our God better. Just think of Christ, for example. One of his commandments in the New Testament, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, as we seek to do that as Christians, as we seek to live in line with that word, as we even see how hard that is to do, do you know what we see? we see Christ and we see more of what he is like because Christ is the one who came and died for us even while we were still God's enemies. And Christ is the one who on the cross really did pray for those who persecuted him. Father, forgive them. Seeing this, even God's commandments and our active living out of them, revealing us, revealing to us more and more of God, it should lead us to say something like the psalmist in verse 62. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. As the psalmist meditates on God's righteous rules, he sees God's righteousness. And he says, he is worthy of all my praise. So as we reflect on this, here I guess is the first challenge and the first encouragement for us. Will you follow in the psalmist's footsteps here and meditate on God's words, all of it, even his laws, his commandments, and will you purposefully look out for and delight in the God who you find there? If you will do that, this psalm says you will know great blessing 
Because as you find God, and as you find out more about him, you will become more and more certain, he is the one that I can run to in anything. He is my portion. He is the one who is all that I need. And thinking about this, here's something practical that I've found helpful from time to time to do as I read the Bible, just at home. Have a pen in hand. And either in the margins of the Bible, if you feel comfortable doing that, or just in a, in a separate notebook, jot down what you see there as you read about God, his character, what he is like. You'll be surprised at how much, when you purposefully read like this and you look for the Lord, you will find him. And then you can use that list, have it beside you when you pray or whatever, just to look back at it and say, this, do you know, this is my God. This is who my portion is. This is the one who I can know as my God. You will know blessing as you do that. You will know that you have a God who can never be taken from you, no matter what else might be happening in your life. Just as talking with and listening to your best friend or to your husband or to your wife, you keep all the time finding out more about them, don't you? Well, so it is when we turn to God's word. We keep finding out more about him and it gives us more and more reason to delight, to praise him. Let's each of us here this morning not be satisfied with what we already think we know about God. Let's be ready to dive deeper and deeper into his word, into the riches then of who we see that he is. Because I promise as we do that, we will not be disappointed. This is a God who is worthy of all our praise. As we uh, read in Psalm 119 verse 2, blessed are those who keep the Lord's testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Because as we do that, as we seek the Lord in God's word, even in keeping it, we will find that the one we are seeking, he is the fount of every blessing. So that is the first blessing that delighting in God's word and walking in his ways brings. We find God himself. Now let's turn to a second blessing that we see really clearly in in some of these verses that we read this morning. That as we delight in God's word, as we walk in his ways, we will find wisdom. Now wisdom is a funny term, isn't it? Often we'd attribute it to someone who basically knows a lot. Or maybe uh, they've worked a lot of things out in their life. Someone like Albert Einstein, for example. His work in the area of physics won him a Nobel Prize in 1921. As he said, or or worked out, I guess, E equals MC squared. Does just saying that make me sound any wiser? I have no idea what it means, just in case you were wondering. Or we might attribute wisdom to someone with lots of life experience. Wisdom comes with age. Like in the uh, kids' book that uh, that I enjoy uh, reading from time to time with my kids, A Squash and a Squeeze. In it, we see this lady. You'll see in the back there. She doesn't have much room in her house. So what does she do? She turns to the wise old man, you see, pictured. And he helps her. Although I don't want to ruin the suspense by telling you how. So you can come and and find out. I've got this this book uh, available even even to loan this this coming week. So, um, and, and of course, those things are true, aren't they? Wisdom does come with knowing a lot. 
and it comes with experience. We read things like in Job 12 that wisdom is with the aged, understanding in length of days. But here in Psalm 119, we see something else. We see another consideration to do with wisdom that I think takes precedent over all those other things, over how clever you are, over how much generally you know, how much life experience you have. And that is, where are you getting your wisdom from? If you turn with me to the Mem stanza from this psalm, verses 97 to 104, I think we see this really clearly right the way through these verses. Just read with me verses 97 to 100 and notice what the psalmist says makes him wise here. Verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. It seems that from verse 9, the psalmist here uh, is still a young man, but that doesn't stop him making some pretty big claims in these verses. Because he daily delights in God's word, meditates on it, reads it, acts on it, he makes these three comparisons, doesn't he? Verse 98, he is wiser than his enemies. Verse 99, he has more understanding than all his teachers. Verse 100, he understands more than the aged. Now, those are bold words, aren't they? To say. But this is the blessing that the psalmist has found in God's word. As he has read it and lived it out, he has realized that it has so much more wisdom to offer him than any other kind of wisdom the world offers. No number of years lived apart from God and his word can give wisdom, even like a child's wisdom, if they are making God's word what their day-to-day is all about. Which of these two pictured here could we say is wiser? Well, shockingly, but incredibly, in so many ways, it's the child with the open Bible, God's word in front of them, rather than Einstein there, whatever clever words he has there to do with physics. Why is that the case? Well, it's because in the Bible, as we begin, as we read here, if you turn to the Lamed stanza, just before where we were, verse 89, it says this, we have the Lord's word here, and it is forever firmly fixed in the heavens. And verse 90 then reminds us that the Lord's faithfulness endures to all generations. And then we read these words, he has established the earth. And I think by implication, That is through his word. And what's the truth? It stands fast. Here is why we find God's word, why we find in God's word so much wisdom. Beyond anything else the world holds out to us. Why even a young child reading it can be wiser than a learned professor. Because in God's word we find, as one commentator puts it, the foundation upon which the world is built. We find the foundation upon which the world is built in God's word. 
If we're going to make sense of this world that we live in and live in it well, we, uh, we are going to have to go back to the one, aren't we, who made the world and therefore who also knows what is best for those living in it. So often I think we are tempted to let the world and the culture around us tell us what is best for us. Just go and do whatever makes you feel happy in the moment, right? Whatever seems best to you. Go, drink, take drugs if that's going to do it for you. Go, have sex anytime and with whoever you want. Go, make money and then use that money however you want. But we, who are we? Who are we to be the ones deciding these things? Deciding what is best for us? When the one who made us, who knows us better than we even know ourselves, has already spoken to us in his word and and revealed his best plans for us, his good plans. This is what I think makes the Bible such an exciting book to come back to again and again. Because in it we find the words of the one who laid the very foundations of the universe the foundations of the world we live in, and the one whose therefore word is as relevant today as it has ever been. A life lived according to God's words, following his commandments, rejoicing in his best ways for our lives. You know, that is a life lived, we could put it along the grain of the world. Here's what that same commentator I just quoted from earlier says, picking back up on verse 98, where the psalmist wrote of the commandments making him wiser than enemies. He writes this, We fear that our enemies know better than us how to make the most of the world we live in. That they will steal a march on us by being more streetwise. That our enemies may have an edge on us because they are unconstrained by biblical morality. And yet in Scripture, we have a resource to make us wiser than them. To know in practice how to live in the world as it truly is. And he then goes on to say that if we ever want to deeply understand the world, well, we must first love the Word. Back in verse 56 that we read, this, we read last week, the psalmist wrote these intriguing words at first. He writes, this blessing, remember we're talking this morning about blessing, this blessing has fallen to me, that I have kept your precepts. Which as I say, when you first read them, might make you wonder, what is he, what is he meaning? Well, here I think is what he is getting at. From what we've just been saying, he is someone who has sought to walk in the law of the Lord and who has found out along the way that is a blessed life. Not necessarily materially, not necessarily in the eyes of all the world, all his enemies around him, but this psalmist, as he has done that, has known life as it was meant to be for him. Life according to God's good and best purposes. I wonder where you go to for wisdom in life, for guidance, for direction. Perhaps it's the latest self-help book, podcast. You'll find thousands upon thousands of them. 
released every single year, even day it seems, doesn't it? Perhaps it's to the autobiography of someone famous or rich who you really admire. Perhaps it's to your family or your friends. Now, I guess uh, in all of those in particular, if there is a Christian biblical wisdom being offered, there could be good, couldn't there, in that? Things to learn from. But here is where we ultimately want to keep coming back to. We want to keep coming back to God's word because we find in it true, eternal wisdom. Wisdom that as we begin to see the goodness of it, live in light of the goodness of it, will lead us to say that it is sweeter than honey. Because in listening to it, we find what it really is to live a blessed life. A life based on the same word that laid the foundations of the world. And that word still stands today as an ongoing source of blessing to all who will listen. See, as Christians, when we take God's word seriously, we look to obey it, we aren't just honoring God. That is, of course, what we, we are doing. But we are also doing something else. We are actually doing what is best for us. What it is best for us to flourish as humans here on earth. You want to know what a blessed relationship looks like? Go to this book for the principles. You want to know what it looks like to wisely rest amongst the busyness of, of life? Go to this book. You want to know what it looks like for you to use your money, your skills, the, the gifts that God has given you as wisely as possible for the blessing of others, for the blessing of yourself? Go to this book. This is your starting point. I wonder what particular things in your life you are thinking through right now. Well, let me just tell you that nowhere out there does there exist such a practical and rich source of wisdom as right here in God's Word. The famous verse 105 sums this up, doesn't it, I guess. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That light that will show us God's best purposes and plans for us. Showing us the way. And as we follow in that way, what will we find? We will find goodness. We will find blessing. So flowing from all of this then, what we've just seen, delighting in God's word, walking in his ways, that brings blessing in first finding God, second finding wisdom, third that's up there already, that we will find life. Now the psalmist has been pretty honest right the way through this psalm. If you've been, as we've been reading through it, you've probably noticed we read regularly of his repentance because he realizes he can't keep God's word as he should. But then we're contrasted with these words, as we say here, that we read time and time again in this psalm. Verse 25, give me life according to your word. Verse 37, give me life in your ways. Verse 50, your promise gives me life. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. So as we read those kinds of words, how is it that the psalmist says here he, he's finding life in God's words when he isn't able to always keep them? 
See, it can't possibly be that somehow this psalmist has, has achieved life. He has, he has gained life by perfectly fulfilling God's law. As he's just said, that's so clear in what he says in this psalm. And the psalmist himself knows, doesn't he? He would have had in front of him words like we find in Deuteronomy 30. Do you know the Lord there, he says to the, to the people, it is only by obeying my commandments, walking in my ways, that you shall live and multiply. Know my blessing as you enter the promised land. And on the flip side, if you're, you turn away from me, if you don't keep my commandments, well, then you will perish. So surely in this way, if we're looking at it from that angle, God's word, in particular his commandments that keep coming up here, they should be speaking death, shouldn't they, to the psalmist? And even to us today, who just like him, do not keep God's word perfectly. Well, as we said, this just doesn't seem to be the case. And here's why. Here is the good news for the psalmist and for all of us here this morning. In God, we find mercy. In God, we find great promises that do speak life to us, even when we would rightly face that death. Look with me at three verses from this psalm to see this, two of which we'll be reading again next week. First, verses 49 to 50. It's either up on the screen or you can look in your Bibles. The psalmist writes these words, remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. Then secondly, verses 122 to 123. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Then thirdly, verse 154. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. As we look at those verses held together, the language there is pretty striking. In each of those sets of verses, where is the psalmist looking to for hope, for salvation, for redemption, for life? In none of those verses he is looking to himself, is he? He's not looking to his own success in keeping the law to find that life. No, he is looking at every of those verses to the God who he knows from history is time and time again merciful and gracious to his people. As we were thinking about earlier, he turns to God. And more specifically than that then, where does he turn? He turns to God's word. See, it's in God's word, his promises, that the psalmist turns to find hope and life. And we have to say here that for him to be doing this, this must involve the work of the Spirit in his life, even in the Old Testament here. As he reads God's word through the Spirit, he sees in it not condemnation, but promise. Promise of life. Promise of life in Christ that has been there right from the start, even if just a bit more dimly. See, as we read in God's word, all of the promises of God, they find their yes in Christ. 
So when God promised back in Genesis that one day someone from the woman's offspring would crush the serpent's head, when God promised to Abraham that in his offspring every nation of the earth shall be blessed, when God promised even through the offering of animal sacrifices that his people would be forgiven, all of those promises ultimately point forward to Jesus. The one in whom the words of the psalmist here, the one in whom, as he looked forward to, as he hoped for his coming, he would be that one who would be a pledge of good. He would be that one who would bring salvation. He would be that one who would plead his cause. And gloriously, he would be that one who would redeem him and who would give him life according to God's promise. This is Christ. And in Christ, we have life. Just as a skyscraper towers over any surrounding building, so it is in God's word. In God's word alone, we find this hope that towers over any other hope that the world could hold out to us. It is the hope of life in Christ. Christ, who, as he said himself, is the way, the truth, the life. Christ, who came that his people may have life and have it abundantly. Christ, who, as Andrew was pointing us to last evening, last Sunday evening, abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Why can we and should we, like the psalmist, delight in God's word? How does walking in his ways bring blessing? Well, because ultimately when we do that, we walk with Christ. And as we turn again and again to God's word, who do we find there? Christ. And in walking with him, in trusting in him, in turning to him in all things, we find that he alone has words of eternal life. And what greater blessing is there than that? Death is no longer that great final enemy for those who hope in the promise of God's word. Like the psalmist says here, he has life. Death is just that doorway to eternal life to come. And that doorway, when we go through it, we will find that we are more alive than ever in the presence of our God. As we remember that, uh, may we learn to treasure and delight in this book more and more. Because in it, we find God. In it, we find wisdom that is incomparable to any other wisdom in the world. And in it, we find life. Let's make this book what we keep coming back to, delighting in, walking in with all of our lives. Let's pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the gift of your word. Lord, we thank you that it speaks blessing and life to us. Lord, would you help us to see in your word the goodness of it? Lord, would you help us as we turn to your word to see more of who you are, 
And will we delight in that? Would we rightly praise you because of that? Would you help us to see in your word the goodness of how we live, if we are living in your ways, the best ways, your best purposes for us? Lord, as we turn to your word day by day, would you show us what it is to live according to your best purposes? And would we know that blessing that comes with that? And Lord, as we day by day turn to your word, please would we see in it that life that we find there, that life found in Christ. We thank you so much for him, for all that he has accomplished for us, that he has defeated death. Lord, I pray for those listening in this morning, perhaps who haven't seen that life in Christ up to this point. Lord, we know that it is by your spirit you open our eyes. Lord, would you even open their eyes to see, even this morning, just that glorious hope of forgiveness, of life, of Christ, who is that pledge of good for us, who has redeemed us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to close by singing this song, Christ, our hope in life and death. Let's rejoice in this hope that we have of life through Christ. Let's stand as the musicians play.
rejoicing in that hope. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace through the Lord Jesus.